0: Well, if you'll open your Bible to page 782, in fact, that's kind of where our text is, but actually I'm going to back up to the very first chapter, so I don't have that page number. You'll be on 782. Maybe just turn back to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read a verse or two there, and then we'll get on page 782. Thank you for being present, and we We had us a beautiful weekend of weather, did we not? Now this is going to get a little more like normal weather, and what is normal weather where we live? I don't know. But anyway, it'll be what it will be. Now, Jimmy's trying to drum up tickets to the ball game, it sounded to me like. Actually, I like the seat I have. I have a great seat. It's right next to the kitchen in our house. And I, I just sit there and watch it on the TV, but let's us hope tonight that thing ends tonight. I'd rather see it Let's not have the suspense of going into tomorrow night. But it's been quite, it's been a, been a fun series to watch. Been an unusual series. The home team loses. I don't, I hope that doesn't continue as we resume the home team tonight. You know, I want to talk to you today about one of the areas of our life as a Christian that we should get stronger. And that is the area of faithfulness. Now, the longer we are a Christian... Our faithfulness should grow and be stronger than when we started. I became a Christian when I was seven years of age. I'm 78 years of age. So that means I've been a Christian 71 years. And surely to goodness, I have grown hopefully in my faithfulness, learning to trust God with things now than when I started out, I'm not where I need to be. None of us are. We will be one day when the Lord Jesus returns. But, you know, faithfulness, in fact, it's one of those fruits of the Spirit that we read about in the book of Galatians in chapter number 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and uh, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. And the next thing says faithfulness. Faithfulness is listed as one of the nine fruits, gentleness, self-control. So this, this whole idea of faithfulness. The, the faithfulness. The word faith comes from the word it's spelled p i s t i s in the Greek language, and, and it conveys the idea of being reliable and loyal, dependable, unwavering, steadfast. This is the idea betwi- b- behind this word faithfulness, and it it is it's the opposite of like living in the flesh. Living in the flesh would mean and instead of being faithful and dependable and loyal and reliable. it means we'd be undependable, it means we'd be disloyal, it means we'd be uncommitted, undependable, uh, lazy, that idea. Now it's interesting as you read the Bible, uh, one of the things that fascinates me in the Bible is that in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible actually makes a statement that God is faithful. Haven't you found that to be true in your life? No matter what we're going through, God, is always faithful. Uh, in the book of Numbers, the Bible records where God said that Moses was faithful. I would hope God would say that about you. I would hope God would say that about me, not, you know, we all can be more faithful. I understand that, but I think it'd be one of the great things for God to look upon us and say, you know, he is faithful, not perfect, but faithful. And then one of my very favorite verses in the Bible about faithfulness, and if you read the proverb of the day every day, that means yesterday you read Proverbs 28. And in Proverbs 28, I read it yesterday, down in verse number 20, the Bible says a faithful man will abound in blessings. That's a fascinating verse to me, and I've seen that time and time again as I look at people. And watch people that are truly faithful people. They abound in blessings. Now, you know, when we say that, everybody thinks, well, he's talking about a lot of money. People, there are many blessings greater than money. Could I have an amen to that? And we need to not get hoodwinked on that. God has multitudes of blessings. Finances may be some of it, but it's not all of it. But I want us today to look at three men in the Bible we're in a tough situation. See, that's when it's hard to be faithful. When everything's going good, being faithful is a a slam dunk. But when things are not going good, or when we run up against something out there, going down the highway of life, we have a blowout. Now that is when being faithful is not as easy as it is when everything is going great. Well, one thing about these three men we're going to look today, <laughs> they they were going down the highway of life, and they, they ran into a real blowout. Well, in Daniel chapter 1, if you'll back up to the very first chapter, let me read just the first verse. It says, in the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, if we had time, we'd read more of that story. In fact, my challenge today is to... Is do what I want to do in the little time I have because really I wish I could read much scripture. But bottom line is Babylon came over to Jerusalem and captured Jerusalem and exiled Daniel, his three friends, and some others and took them back to Babylon. So it's just like someone came and, and kidnapped us. And at that time, Daniel was a teenager probably about 15 years of age. In fact, if you look down in verse 3, old Nebuchadnezzar told the master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language of the literature of the Chaldeans. And so what they did, they got the best of the people, the Jewish people the fittest of the fit, the smartest of the smart, and they said, now we'll just leave the regular old folks, we'll leave them behind. We're going to take the cream of the crop over to Babylon, and we're going to train them in our culture. You know the story if you know much about Old Testament Bible stories, and of course they Put them on this special diet, and I'm not going into that today. But that's kind of the background of where we want to go today. Now, if you turn over to page 782, where we are supposedly going to start, what happens, they get over here, and Daniel. And his three friends, of course, they changed all their names. I mean, they're going to teach them a different language. They're going to say, this will no longer be your name. This is not going to be your name. So his three friends, Daniel and old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, with their new names, uh, they get over here. And they just excel in wisdom and leadership and everything. And so the king decides to promote them over the people who had been in office. Now, think about that a moment. We've got all these Babylonians, and here are these foreigners, these Jewish people who've been brought in, and now these Jewish people are over the hometown people. Well, that doesn't go over very well at all. And uh, so, in fact, if you look in, uh, well, uh, well, look at the, you, you. Look at the look in chapter two. Look down right before chapter three. Go back to verse forty-eight in chapter two. It says the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. So we got this Jewish guy over these Babylonians. Well, that hacked them off. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's his three friends, over the affairs of the province of Babylon, and Daniel sat at the gate of the king. So now we've got a kind of a tough situation. We've got old Daniel and his Jewish friends. They're running things over here. These Babylonian guys kind of getting booted to a lesser role. Well, in chapter number three, old King Nebuchadnezzar, he decides to build him a, a golden image to be worshipped, so they worship him. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. That's 90 feet. That's like old Sam Houston when we go into Dallas. We see him when we get down the road. Uh, and it's with six cubits. That's nine feet. So this, this golden statue is 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. And the bottom line is the the, the proclamation was made that every time the horns would blow and the instruments would play, Everybody was to fall down and worship this golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. And if they didn't do that, then they would be killed is basically what would happen to them. Well, if you look down about verse in chapter three, go down to about verse five, it says at that time. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and saucer, and simply all kinds of music, you'll fall down and worship the gold image King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Who does not do this shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, if you go down to verse 8, here's the problem. Old Daniel and his friends, Daniel's friends rather, they decide to disobey the king. It says that therefore, at this time, certain the Chaldeans came forward, I'm in mean, verse 5, and accused the Jews. So these guys have been booted out of office, go to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, look, we've got this proclamation, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship you, but this Jewish bunch you brought over here that you've put over all of us, they're not doing that. So now we're about to have a problem. They told Nebuchadnezzar that. Verse 12 says, There are certain Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the prophets of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they've not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. And the king said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psalter, and symphony with all the kinds of music, and you'll fall down and worship the image which I've made. Good, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning fire furnace. And he who is the God, who and and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now look in verse 16. Now they're they they're faced with a dilemma here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if if it were your Bible, I'd say you ought to underline that. That's called a but if not faith. That's the kind I want to have, a but if not faith. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So that's the deal. And, of course, you know what happened. They they didn't bow down, and they were cast into the fire furnace. And, of course, God came to the rescue, and and, and the king realized that their God was a very powerful God. Well, that that being said, you know, this is a fascinating little story to me. I've heard it all my life. But, but I think there's some lessons, or at least a big lesson to learn in this thing. And that is, you know, when we're going through life and things happen, uh, that's an extreme thing. We're reading, like, I, Our problem is not going to be about worshiping golden idols or images. That's not our problem. But all of us in life do go through things. And when you do, there's always this dilemma of whether or not you're going to be faithful and trust God and take God at his word, or you're going to try to figure out some way and begin to make excuses for trying to handle things without just trusting God completely. Now, as I've thought about old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, what they could have done, they could have just come up with some excuses that really would have sounded pretty good rather than trusting God. For example... They could have just said to themselves, you know what, <laughs> if, if we don't bow down and worship this golden God, this image that he's made, which is worshiping him, if, if, if we don't, we're going to be cast into this furnace and be burned up. But really, as long as, you know, as long as we physically, we, we may bow down and do that, but as long as in our heart, we're not really doing that then it it really won't make that much of a big deal difference. I mean, God knows a person's heart. And so if I just kind of go along with whatever's happening out here, but in my heart, well, then God knows that's not really what's in my heart. That's not really all that big a deal. Now, the problem with that, had they done that or If you and I get in situations where we think, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of go along with the culture of the day, whatever's going on. But in my heart, that's not really what my heart has. Well, I'll tell you what it would do for you and for me and what it would have done for them. It would destroy our Christian witness. You see, even though in our heart we may not be like really going along with the culture of the day, even though outwardly it looks like we're kind of participating in that but what it would do for those who are standing off watching that know we're Christians say I mean you know when it came when it came time to stand for God they they kind of you know bowed out of that it would destroy our Christian witness or they could have said to themselves you know what what we could do we we could just Go on and bow down to this golden image, and then we could just then ask God to forgive us and tell God we're sorry. What do you say? Well, what's wrong with that? Well, <laughs> well, there's no real genuine repentance in that. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna just rather than trust God, go along with the culture, of the day in which we live, and not stand on what we believe to be the right thing based on what the Word of God teaches, we say, well, you know. I'll just ask God to forgive me and God forgives sins and no big deal. Well, there's no, he doesn't forgive those kind of sins because there's no real repentance in that at all. Or they could have said, I'm just thinking about excuses they could have made. They could have said, well, you know what? Our ancestors, they put idols in the temples. And this is not half as bad as that. So, you know, others are doing worse than this. So this is just one little deal. We say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, here's how that boils down. That means that righteousness is based on what other people do instead of what God does. And that is a road to nowhere. You know, faithfulness is kind of like the muscles in our body. And you've heard, we've heard it said, oh, you, know, you use them or lose them. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, but when we use our muscles, they, they do become stronger and, uh, you know, we're not trying to be Tarzans, but we're trying to just move on in life. Well, faithfulness is the very same way. You know, if, if we trust God with little things, and it's kind of easy to trust God with little things, really. The hard part is having faith about the big things. But here's how this works. If we'll just trust God with little things, it builds, it builds and strengthens our faith. And then when these big things come along, it's not that they'll be easy, but we'll be stronger if we've not even trusted God with little things, well then, then when the big things come along, well, we're just we're going to be in quite a mess. You know, if we trust God for little things, God makes a way. If you trust God for big things, God makes a way. You know, here's the deal about faithfulness. One, one of the deal with it's several. It, it, one of the things is it, something we can all do. We can all be faithful. We can't all sing. We can't all do a lot of things, but we can all be faithful. We don't have to be the smartest person, but we can be faithful people. And, and, and here's, here's the bottom line to that. Faithfulness honors God. And anything that honors God, God honors. I've learned that in life. Anytime I do anything that honors God, or I lead the church to do something that I feel in my heart, if we do thus and so, it will honor God. I'll tell you what God will do. God will honor that. God honors faithfulness because faithfulness honors God. Now, as recent as this past weekend, I saw a good example of this. Many of you will know the person; others won't. But that's that's, that's not the point. A former pastor of this church is named Darrell Robinson. He was pastor before Dr. Landrum became pastor, and he was here about nine years as pastor. Had a brother Daryl had a great, great ministry here. And uh, Daryl Robson and I were, we were friends long before I became pastor of this church. We we're all kind of in the same bunch out there. And so, you know, I knew Daryl I knew Barry. We all knew one another. But uh, of course, when I became pastor of the church, you get to know these guys better in, in because you interact in a lot of different ways. But be that as it may, one of their, one of Daryl and Kathy's children's name was Laurie. 55 years old, 54, or 56, long ago somewhere. And uh, for about the last three or four years, she's been really battling with cancer. And she uh, she had graduated from Baylor. She and John have kept up with it, they, they kind of have a connection, both of them are preachers' kids, and 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 she kind of grew up her years of real young person growing up in this church. And so she just has always stayed connected to First Baptist Pasadena, even though Brother Darrell went elsewhere and the family moved, of course she got grown and she moved. away, But yet this church was still in her heart, kind of her church. And these last couple of years, battling cancer, many Sunday nights, uh, Lori would come and sit over in the very corner She'd have her stuff over her head because she'd lost her hair, and, and she'd give old John a high-five, and, and after the service, she'd take time. We'd have prayer with her. and it was, she just, But anyway, she went to be with the Lord. But before she died, she told her mom and dad and her husband, she said, I want to have my funeral back at First Baptist, and I want John to preach the funeral, I want Dr. Redmond to be part of my funeral, but I want to have my service back here. So it was back here. Now, during Darrell Robinson's years as pastor here, and before he came Uh, uh, a man named Dan Sampson was the minister of music at this church. Dan was here like about 16, 17 years. He was here when Dr. Morgan was here. And then he was here during uh, much of Darrell's ministry here. And Dan is a very gifted musician. He's just a fine, he just, uh, you know, he's just a great guy. And I've known Dan a long time. I've known Dan a long time. Well, Dan they invited Dan, to come, he lives in Dallas, to come sing at the funeral because he's a, got a beautiful voice, but he's close to the family. Well, he would have come to the funeral whether he'd been singing or not. Well, here's the story. 345, Saturday morning, a.m., mm-hmm. Dan's clock goes off, and he wakes up and gets in his car and drives down here for this 10 o'clock funeral. I believe it was a 10 o'clock yeah, funeral. He he decided he'd drive down here rather than fly. And so, um, and it was good to have him here. And I enjoyed the time we visited together. And and, uh, he did a wonderful job ministering to the family. And he just part, I mean, we all, you know, all of us just have a bond. And then when the funeral got over, he stayed for lunch and he and John visited a little while. And then John had to go do another funeral. and Dan heads back to Dallas. Well, going back to Dallas, he has a blowout in 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 his uh, one of his tires blow. He had new tires. He'd only had the tire like two hundred miles. Tire tire blows out, but it blows out kind of close. He's out on forty five, not very far from a, a place that could fix his tire, and somehow he got the phone number and called that place, and and they got the car there, and 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 they they were fixing the tire. They did had to replace the tire. It blew out. And, and when they got the thing fixed and ready to give him his keys to go back, the man handed him his keys and said to him, here's your receipt, and we hope you have a good trip back to Dallas. Now, he didn't know this guy from Psychosalt. And Dan told the man, he said, well, I think. He said, now I need to, need to pay you. And, and the man said, well, there's no charge. He said, well, you don't understand. I've got a brand new tire, and I need to pay for it. And, uh, he sa- and Dan was telling me the story. After all this happened, he said, everybody in this waiting room all seemed to understand what was going on but him. Dan's trying to pay for his tire, and everybody's just kind of smiling like they knew what was going on, but there was no charge. So finally, Dan said, he didn't exactly understand it, but the guy just said, Look, just, just go out there and get in your car and go on to Dallas and just, just don't worry about it. Until this minute, Dan still doesn't quite understand it. Well, Dan, Dan got trying to explain that to me on the telephone after he'd gotten back about what had happened in that room. And I said, Well, Dan, I'm going to explain it to you from the Bible. I said, I know you're a music man and the Bible's kind of, you know, a little. You know, <laughs> But I said, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. The A part of that verse says, the faithful man will abound with blessings. And I said, Dan, I don't know exactly all the moving pieces in that place. But I just know this. First of all, you could have afforded to bought a tire. I don't think they thought you were broke. I said, I don't understand what all transpired down the road there. But I do understand this, Dan. I've known you a long time i watched you go through your wife's death his wife died with cancer tommy sue one of the finest christian women i've ever known i said i I've, I've just you know from a distance i said i've heard people talk about how good you can sing and all that kind of stuff i said dan the thing about you if somebody said well tell me about dan sampson it, i don't hurt your feelings dan i wouldn't even miss you in your music i'd just say dan sampson I've seen him behind the scenes. I've seen him on the platform. I've seen him in situations where other folks didn't see. Dan Sampson is a faithful man. And Dan, God just blessed you down the road. And he said, well, I need to study it. I said, Dan, music man will never figure it out. I'll explain it next time we're together. But Father, whether it's a tire going down 45, whether we can figure it out or not, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had it figured out. God is able to deliver us whatever we go through. But if not, God give us that kind of faith, a but-if-not faith. God, all of us in this room have prayed for things. And sometimes what we asked didn't happen. Not like we ask it. But God, there'll be a day... We will understand. In the meantime, give us an extra measure of that fruit of faithfulness. And I pray that today for some that perhaps are going through something like a fire furnace right now. God help them, give them just an extra measure of faithfulness is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.